Hey everyone, and welcome to Everyday Impact, a Life Tree podcast inspiring you to take Jesus into your everyday life. My name is Jessica Jean, and I'm joined today by my wonderful husband and co-host, Will. Hey guys. Will's going to be sharing with us today a conversation he recently had with our good friend, Matt Youngklaus. Yes, Matt, I've known for a while now, and I knew there were some good stories to tell. So I'm so grateful that he got to be a part of this podcast and also to share so vulnerably as he did. This is one of the longer conversations that we've published, but I really encourage you guys stick through the whole thing because this one, it's it's a beautiful story for one, but it touches on something so relevant, this idea of change, of overcoming the past and finding love and acceptance and redemption in the process. So I hope you guys are encouraged and that you enjoy today's conversation. Here we go. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Happy to be here. Thanks a lot for asking. So Matt, you and I, we go way back. That's right. Back Back, to the beginning. Back to the the early days. Um, You and I were, were... pretty good friends now, I'd say. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But it wasn't always so. No, there was a time. There was a time. I I don't know if if, uh, nemesis would have been a a good word, but... That's pretty light. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely didn't get along. And there's obviously a story between then and now, but the theme of uh, what you're going to be sharing with us today is about overcoming your past. Yeah. And... I think we both did a bit of that so that we could <laughs> enjoy being in the same room as each other. But uh, tell us a bit about the um, the backstory of your life before we met even. What were some of the things that needed to change? Some of the things that had to be overcome? Oh, man. What didn't need to change? Right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, gosh, it's, uh, it's quite the story. I, um, I mean, I met you shortly after I moved to Victoria. I grew up on the mainland. And uh, ever since I was a really young kid, raised in a wonderfully Christian household, um, I uh, always wanted to be, you know, the the kind of Christian that made your parents proud, kind of. Thing. Well, yeah, made your parents proud and made <laughs> mine proud, hopefully. Um, and uh, it was the the kid that accepted God before I remembered that I accepted God into my heart. You yeah. know, my parents told me I did, so I trusted them. And you do it a few times after that just to make sure. Just to seal it in. You got to make sure it's it's in solid, right? It stuck. But ever since I was a really, really young kid, I wanted my relationship with God to be something that was really tangible. And, and it was real. You know, you, you wanted it to be um, something that when you shared about it being the most real thing to you, that, that you were the one that believed that more than anyone else, right? And so um, I told you before about the the time when I was I think I must have been maybe five years old and we were about to head to church but my parents had just been explaining to me that God loved me and I wanted to hear it from him (laughs) so that's not good enough mom yeah yeah I appreciate that but I'll go to the source so I ripped off a piece of paper and with like a crayon I like or actually no it was like a really thick smelly marker it's a strawberry strawberry Uh, yep I uh, jotted down a question on a piece of paper so I must have like just learned how to write so I must have like grade one or something and I, I was like, dear Jesus, do you love me? 
And then I had a question mark and then I wrote a bunch of, or I drew a bunch of lines for him to write out his response. I needed this in writing. In writing. Oh please. yeah. <laughs> and I gave him the marker. <laughs> <laughs> so went off to church, came back, was absolutely devastated that all the lines were still empty. Like he thought he would, he would uh, pick up that pen and, and I leave did. you a, an actual. I, I was expecting a very fine written note back to, to, back to me. But it just shows, you know, when you're a kid, you really believe uh, what your parents say when they say that he's he wants to make himself real to you, and you kind of take that in a very literal way. So I was I was devastated, and uh, but at the time, this is um, along the theme, themes of you only look for answers in certain places. Uh, at the time, my parents were subscribed to Focus on the Family, yeah, um, magazine, and uh, the article. I think it was that that week even down to like a day or two away it arrived and on the front it had this little boy uh kneeling down in the grass i think praying and it on the cover it said um always remember that uh god loves you hmm. and my parents were so excited to like to show me that because they were just like they didn't know what to say uh to, or they didn't know the how to comfort me when I was kind of upset that I hadn't had that answer. And so when they got that, they knew that that was God um, answering my, my mm. prayer in a really personal way. And for me, it was actually really, really cool to, to see that because I really did feel like it was a an answer to my prayer. But it definitely was, um, unbeknownst to me, quite the theme of like God looking to speak to me in ways other than how I was or in the places I was looking for it because I was the the young person that wanted to get involved in absolutely every area of church to try and you know show God how zealous I was <laughs> and, uh, and you know I, uh, I remember being involved in a church where we had a TV crew that would film I was on the, the team that did that I was also on the worship team that was um, that was on Sundays we, we met a, a time or two throughout the week to practice um, I was also uh, involved in the youth, and I was also involved in like the parking crew, and I was also. It was, so you were a, a very good Christian. Yes, in quotes. You could just you could. I was uh, as the best Christian I could I could possibly be as far as my involvement went. It was a six day a week kind of thing, and it felt like I was kind of uh, building up a bit of a list of, of why God uh, kind of owed me to, to talk to me. You know <laughs> what I mean? I was like, <laughs> the, the more that I did, the more I was like, well, he, he's got to love me now, even though from the earliest time he had... My church attendance is spotless. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I very much viewed myself as the, uh, as the prodigal, or sorry, the prodigal son's brother. Yeah. I viewed myself as the one that was like, I'm not going to run away. So this is kind of when when I met you. You were uh, you're a few years older than me, so you were a youth group leader at the time. Yes. So I I ended up moving over to the to the island from the Lower Mainland, um, and in Victoria is where I went to uh, the church there. Um, I started to kind of experience some some disappointments or some uh, what's the way to put it deviations from the life that you kind of plan out as a young person, right? Like I uh, I moved to the island uh, and got engaged very young because that's what we Christians do. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, very uh, close to the wedding, it, it actually, it ended up, we ended up calling it off because things weren't working out, which is not something I was, I was really uh, prepared for, or I didn't really understand how to work through that kind of stuff. 
And I was too embarrassed to move back home, so I decided, hey, I, I should just stay here and see if I can make things work out on the island. But I only really knew one way to, to live, so I got involved in all the church stuff here and uh, was kind of right back on the, the horse as far as, you know, uh, doing things according to plan. But the more I think that I, I racked up that bill for God to pay off for, like, you know, all my time spent, the more I re realized I was um, kind of feeling let down by him not kind of keeping up his end of the bargain. Mm. And so the more I, I kind of was ended up uh, seeing what I could get out of it as far as, you know, the image of being uh, on the on the youth team rather than being a servant on the youth team, you know, or the image of being on a worship team as a worship leader rather than worshiping God when you're on the stage. <laughs> I think this is uh, probably where we kind of rubbed against each other because I experienced you as a youth kid mm -hmm. and I felt like there was this kind of arrogance. And, and I'm curious, how did you actually experience me when I was a, a youth kid? First of all, I, I, should, I can definitely um, say there's definitely the sense of like, <laughs> I don't know. That it, Matt, let's just get this out on the table. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we're having this conversation. Well, you know, the, the son that doesn't run away from home has this view about the son that does run away from home. And then he also has this view of himself, right? That's just like, I never, I, I have been so good. I have done all this stuff. And whether he sees the arrogance or the pride or, or not, the, it's there and it's very clear to see. And so it's funny when I met you, I saw you as, okay, how did I see you? I have to go back to the moment there. Um, well, I, I saw you as someone who, hmm, you didn't like me. Therefore I didn't like you. <laughs> so it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. If that, maybe that's the simplest way to, to put it. But like, it's funny because there was also, I mean, there was certain friendship um, dynamics that was just like, I had this friend group and you were kind of on the outside of it. And unless somebody would jump in and be like, hey, Matt, how's it going? You know, you seem like a great guy. And I'd be like, yeah, I am a great guy. Let's get to, I don't know. It's not like I was so carte blanche with it. But um, I think our probably our first interaction was didn't go so smooth in the sense that like i don't know it it just probably i said something and i said a joke probably and you didn't laugh and i was like oh who is this guy and then and then uh yeah it's it was... funny now because i i actually i genuinely love your humor <laughs> and and you were uh you're actually the mc at as well as a um uh, in the bridal party at my wedding so it's funny how god turns things around isn't it but um i wasn't funny then though so it's okay <laughs> but there's yeah. there's seeds of humor there it was starting yeah god was a work in progress but um no i throughout that time I, d I don't know there was definitely a sense of like um i was i was waiting for god to to, to show himself in my life and if he wasn't going to do that then the car kept on running on its own power and it can only do that for so long. Uh, but I remember, you know, I, at the time I was very much involved in the youth, but I was also very much uh, going town town with, with people at work into to nightclubs and to, um, you know, I had from a very young, oh, I should I say very young age, but before I was 20, um, 
I had lost my virginity. I, I felt as though I'd kind of signed off something that I, or given away something that I never thought that I would. And I was just kind of like, again, it was this whole thing of like, well, you're trying to make up for it by serving more, but you're also then at the same time slipping farther away <laughs> on mm. like days that aren't Sunday. Um, and uh, yeah, there was some, I remember specifically, you know, uh, being in relationships with people like uh, I were I had worked at an office and I would I would have these relationships with people there that were very ungodly relationships and then going into on Sunday and your your paint grace is very cheap when when you kind of uh, when you're in this place of living it on both sides mm -hmm. right when you're going to church and you're then you you think you're hoping a quick sorry uh, you know or <laughs> kind of like you're hoping that your works and are kind of offsetting stuff. Yes, and and maybe you've got a, a moving surrender based song, and you'll kneel at the altar again. And absolutely, oh no, totally. I surrender all. Yeah, and you forget by the time you reach the door. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think that it was it was around that time uh, that would have been probably around 2011 or or so. 2010, 2011, where um, I would start kind of asking, you know, myself, <laughs> if, is is Christianity something that I really want to, either it's real or it's not, right? Like uh, either this is something that I want to commit everything to um, or it's something that I'm just going to kind of move on from because I wasn't seeing, I was, I was ashamed of the double life I was living. Right. And it just kept on becoming more of a double life. Like it wasn't just then relationships. I was, it was getting into stuff. Like I would kind of be pushing the envelope with things like shoplifting, um, a lot of lies, lies that started really young in my life. Like if your main goal is to kind of come off looking well, because you know, uh, you're not really experiencing that real relationship with God. So at least you have to look pretty good <laughs> if you're going to be putting in all this time. So that means embellishing stories and, um, and living the cool life and, and, and kind of, so it's kind of like this, this fork in the road where you've got to reconcile this tension. You've got these two lives and how do you move forward from here? It's, yeah. it's which path do you go down? Totally. And you're very much used to, those two paths are very, very different, um, you know, where, where you've got all these lies that need to be, you know, you, you realize if you want to have a real relationship with God, there's a lot of like lies that need to be exposed or a lot of untruths that need to like be brought to the surface. And I just realized the more that I kept on living too, the more that it was like, well, I, I've got to take my foot off of one of these logs before I fall in the water. They're separating further and further, you know, like the boat and the dock kind of thing. And so I think the the rubber hit the road. I, I had, exp oh, man, ever since a young age as well, I mean, I know a lot of uh, guys can, can identify with addiction, you know, when it, when it comes to things like lust or pornography or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I, from a very, very young age, uh, I, 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 it's hard to remember exactly when it started. I think it was around eight years old. Mm -hmm. I, I got really stuck into, into pornography. And I think that's another reason, you know, you serve so much in church because you're almost trying to make up for all the shame yeah. and you're, and you're also asking for like help with it, but like you don't know how to deal with it. There's just so much stuff and you, you start lying to cover that up, but then, you know, you're in the habit of lying. So it's, <laughs> that's when 
if I'm going to lie to cover it up, I might as well lie to make it look, make myself look a bit better. And man, all these bad habits forming and stuff. And, uh, when I was, when I was 20, 22, um, I, I was in a relationship that I really, really wanted to, I really, really wanted it to last. And I was like, okay, all my prayers to be like, God, let me be, I want to leave this old life behind. It was kind of like, can I just put this all into a, into a burial pod and just bury it and move on? God, I really want to just do this. And I'd started journaling and I, I wrote down this one day in the journal being like, okay, because I was, it was very evident that I was living two separate things and that kept on getting more and more extreme. And I, I wrote down the journal being like, all right, Lord, like either it's, either it's you or it's not you, either it's real or it's not real. So, um, I asked that you'd make it real. And, um, it was, it was a day or two after that, that note in the journal that, um, my pornography addiction got exposed within the relationship. And it's funny, you, you can ask for freedom until you're blue <laughs> in the face, but when you're faced with what getting free actually looks like, hmm. uh, it, it suddenly becomes a whole new level of, oh man, do I really want this? And I remember my very first gut reaction when it was just like, is this, like the question is being put to me, is this really what's going on behind closed doors? Is this what you're looking at? My first gut reaction is like, nope, nope. I don't know how that got there. That wasn't me. That wasn't, that's, that didn't happen that way. Like, how can I explain my way out of this? And, uh, and I remember when I, like that relationship really, uh, hit a rough patch, which, uh, not long thereafter completely derailed it because I was like, I, I remember sitting by myself being like, is this God answering that prayer? Like it's only the words from the journal suddenly came to my mind. And I was like, is this what is this? Is this my chance to be free? Hmm. And, um, and it's really funny looking back on it now is horribly painful, at the time, <laughs> but it's, 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 I, I realized how much grace God had with me and has with me, but had with me specifically then because if I had known how much I would need to um, confess and repent and face the music, so to speak, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I could have <laughs> yeah. gone through with it. But in the moment, I, every time I would like, like specifically with the the pornography, I was just like, all right, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to confess to this. And, and I felt like in my, in my mind, I was like, if I confess this, that's it. Like I've confessed to it. And now I can uh, like, I'm, I'm free. And then after the, after that came up, uh, and it felt as though, oh man, maybe this is, maybe this is the beginning of healing. Then God suddenly exposes like, no, no, I felt him actually inside. I really felt strongly him saying, are you someone that's telling the truth now? So you have to tell the truth about this and this in that case was being someone who who i had gotten into a, quite the habit of of stealing things um it wouldn't be from thing people that i knew not that i uh, recall but like i'd be going to a store and i was very flippant about um just walking out with stuff and i don't i don't know how that started to be honest it just was something that 
that was just like almost like just pushing the boundaries being just like what can i get away with hmm. and um and so i decided yeah if i'm gonna if i'm gonna be truthful about this i have to be fully truthful about this and that man being put to the test in that way i remember um i remember okay you want a story um <laughs> i had there was this um there was this old beater car that I used to own. I don't know if you remember it. It was a, a 94 Toyota Tercel. I said beater. I would take that car back in a second. That was a, that was a good car. <laughs> you had some history there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I want I tried to sell it and it wasn't selling. So I, uh, I took it out to a back road and I put a match in it and, uh, and I, I walked away watching it go up in flames. And I remember in the moment going like, Oh man, as I was walking away from it thinking like, this is, this was um, like a year or two before this, a couple of years before all of this actually repentance was actually happening. <laughs> but like, um, I, I came face to face with being like, are you going to come clean about this? Are you going to tell the truth? And like, because so, I had, so you had a match and, and you, this was an insurance uh, yeah, uh, so so the the whole situation there was that I I claimed it as being stolen and it, that it the the car was stolen and that it, whoever had stolen it had burned it and uh, so I took the insurance money which came to I think fifteen hundred bucks I say I I think of that amount of money as being such a drop in the bucket now not that I'm rolling in it but <laughs> like I think about the the, the price of like um, the weight that that came with yeah. $1,500 I would pay in an instant to get rid of the guilt. But I carried that with me just kind of like, and then I remember this day when it was just like, are you going to come clean about this? And I remember thinking to myself, I'm feeling such freedom right now from, from feeling like I'm the prodigal son that's coming home from feeling like God is now reached out and is like extending this olive branch. I would rather feel this way and <laughs> And I was very melodramatic then. I was like, I'd rather feel this way in prison <laughs> for it to sell, right? Get 10 years to life for that. Um, but I'd rather feel this way and be in a prison cell than feel like I'm in a prison cell that I've, I've created yeah. and be free with all my stuff. So I remember I um, called my my parents who were, throughout that time, they were my never-ending support. It was it was amazing. Even though I had felt um, that I had lost all my friends, and that's probably not accurate. I don't think half. I don't think the majority of them knew what was even going on in my heart. I probably just fell off the map. I was staying at home reading my Bible all the time because I was just like, nobody must like me. Like, <laughs> I I, was, I am a worm. Oh, seriously. I I felt like I was just like at home in ashes and rags, just like praying and crying and. Um, so I called my parents and, uh, got some, I feel sound advice from them. At least I was willing to take any advice at the time. And what they suggested when I told them, I was like, listen, this is what happened with the car. I'm about to go right now to, uh, to the insurance company and let them know. And they said, all right, listen, um, may we suggest that you, uh, that you write a letter, register it. Right, so if you register a letter and you send it, you know, when it gets signed for it needs to be signed for and we're actually going to pay uh in a uh, in a maybe it's a cash draft a bank draft we're going to send the money for this and just 
see what they say. If if they call you up and, and you have to go in and all that kind of stuff, then so be it. But um, just try this. And I was very willing because I had actually, I got this call from my dad who was telling me this or suggesting this to me as I was right about to walk into the building. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> so Sounds like a good option. Yeah, exactly, right? So I wrote this letter. Um, I went to the library to do it because I had ripped my computer out of the wall and thrown it out the, <laughs> out the door as, as soon as I had uh, realized that if I wanted to be free from what I'd been stuck in, I needed to take some drastic measures. So I wrote this letter up at the library. My dad very graciously sent me this uh, bank draft. I put it in, sent it. I remember expecting that I was going to have like a knock at the door and, you know, be assisted out <laughs> by some people in uniform anytime in the next week. But I remember when uh, getting a notification saying that the letter had been received and that the money had been signed for. And never hearing anything back after that. It just was one of those things that it was... Uh, that was anticlimactic. It was very anticlimactic. It felt like, I don't know. I, 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 man, it was weird. Like I was praying that whole week being like, God, just help me, help me, help me, help me. And then when it was taken and it was closed and I never heard anything back, I was like, wait, was that you helping me? <laughs> it was very strange. Um but it was it was really cool seeing one step at a time, one one bit of um, one lie at a time being exposed, like going back to grocery stores or whatever, buying up groceries and putting them back on the grocery shelves was just like a thing of like, what can I do to try and, you know, I wanted to go back and, and try and um, show that I was somebody that was different. Make things right. Exactly. And it was... Again, it was just this one step at a time, one step at a time. And each step I felt like I could do it because, well, partially because it was like, oh, like this freedom feels amazing. And this, it felt very much like I was being like stripped down to this. I don't know. Every, everything that was a new trial was, I don't know, it was very shaping. Like I would be very raw because I, I felt like every day was a new challenge. What was God speaking to you about or what was your interaction with him like through this journey well i still wasn't uh having quite as uh, as audible conversations with him as i i maybe liked at the time but what was really cool about the time was that every evening uh i would spend after i'd read the bible for as long as my neck could could take <laughs> um I would end up having this time of worship before I went to bed. And sometimes it would go for 20 minutes. Sometimes it would go for 45 minutes. Sometimes it would go for an hour. But I remember I'd always feel his presence by the end of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool because, you know, I, I hear sometimes people talking now about, uh, you know, whether or not you feel God. You still should, you know, you still should walk in this. And that's 100% true. But I've always felt like I needed that fuel of feeling him, feeling him nearby. Because I just, uh, it was always something that was so important to me was to have that reaffirmation. It, it made me realize so much more those passages in the Old Testament where the, the people would slide away so much. I remember being so critical of them <laughs> growing up reading the passages about, and Israel fell again. Like, Come on, guys. 
And then there I was being like daily needing to be having my hand held. Uh, but, you know, ha having my mom and dad uh, supporting and being able to be on the phone with them all the time was was incredible, which is what actually made my next uh, my next hurdle, I guess, uh, super hard. I remember it was this is maybe uh, just to give a time frame, probably a couple months after everything had initially been brought to the surface, whether it's the, the pornography, the lying, <laughs> I had to be, be truthful about relationships and stuff and all this thing. Uh, my, my relationship at that time was pretty much over and I was having to learn to put it also on the altar uh, before God, because if I was really letting go of everything, my pride, my everything, then that meant putting this relationship on the altar as well. But I always had my parents to like call and talk to and have them counsel me. And I was talking with my mom one evening and uh, she was, oh, she was just such an encouragement, uh, is such an encouragement. But I remember every day I'd be like, I, I would wait for these phone calls because they would just hear me like sobbing and they'd be hmm. like interceding and praying. And it was just so encouraging. And my mom, uh, as she was on the phone with me, she's like, Matt, you know what? You're going to get through this. I believe in you. And you know why? You know why you're going to get through this? You know why I know you're going to get through this? And then she decided to, to tell me a story about something that had happened when I was a kid to encourage me, being the amazing, encouraging mom that she was. She told me about this experience when I was uh, 16, working at Save on Foods, where uh, what had happened was I had been... Um, I had been working on the carts. I was a service clerk. I'd have to go out to get the buggies that were in the, the parking lot. Yeah. And I was just chatting uh, with a buddy. And so the story goes, I was, I was talking with a, a friend outside and uh, I look over and I see a person running out of the store and someone's chasing them because they've stolen their wallet or someone was yelling from the store because the yeah. wallet had been stolen. So I run after this person and I was a really fast runner at the time. So I'm sprinting after this guy down the parking lot yelling uh, for him to, you know, drop the wallet or whatever. And he ends up like flinging it back and dropping it in the, in the parking lot. And I pick up the wallet and I walk back with it and I give it to the guy. And everyone at work was so proud because as I walk back into the store and kind of turn the corner, my managers are like kind of seeing what's going on. And they're like, what? You you got this guy's wallet back? And, and he, the guy who had the wallet stolen was like, he was there with the managers saying like, yeah, my wallet was just suddenly gone from my cart. And this guy comes in and he said that, you know, anyways. So you're the hero of the day. Oh man, what a glory moment that was. Only problem with that story though was that what had actually happened was, uh, so I would collect the buggies. Um, and usually when you're about to go outside and, and collect the buggies, you know, you'll gather some from inside the store, right? So yeah. I, as I was about to walk outside, I saw a buggy and I just grabbed the buggy and I, I walk out with it. And I saw my buddy outside who also worked there. So we're just chatting for a second. And he points out to my cart and he's just like, what's that? And there's a wallet in it. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I must have grabbed somebody's buggy that they had stepped away from for a second to grab something. And this is really short. This is fairly close to Christmas. And uh, so there's this wallet, and it's like you can tell. You can see there's all this cash in it. And I'm like, oh, man, I, 
I totally walked out with this this guy's, oh, unbeknownst to me, there was this wallet in this cart. And my friend was just like, you know what you should do? What would be hilarious? You should totally do this. You should pretend like somebody took it and then like run back into the store and be oh, like, look what I found. My. Look what I look what I got. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so funny. And so that's what I did. And I was such a hero. Like, honestly, my manager is looking at me so proud. Um, and... Uh, I went home that day and I made the mistake, don't ask me why, I made the mistake of telling my mom and dad, so you know what happened at work today is uh, this guy took a wallet and and I, I, I was able to get it back, like I ran after the guy. I don't know why I told them that. Again, I just kind of gotten into sometimes a habit of, of just <laughs> embellishing and, and making up stories to make myself look, uh, look like quite the little hero. The problem with telling them that story was that every family gathering that we would go to, every neighbor that would come over for a visit, guess which story my mom was telling them? Hmm. And every time she Not did, the hero. there is this little knife in my back being like, you little <laughs> lying. So she's bringing this story up again to encourage you. So here I am years later now. Here I am, 21. I've, I've been exposed as such a fake person, such a... Uh, yeah, everything is out on the table, and my only allies in this in this scenario is my parents and my my mom and dad. My mom specifically would be on the phone with me, just encouraging and praying for me. Both of them would, but especially in this instance, my mom is like saying, "Matt, you know how I know you're going to get through this because you're the guy that never quits. You know, you never give up. You'll run after a person who's stolen a wallet." Oh. <laughs> and, and I remember that just pierced my heart like i remember hanging up with my mom i didn't say anything i i i didn't say anything to her in that moment i just ended up saying goodbye i remember just starting to cry so hard because uh i was like everything else compared to this suddenly seemed so much easier because i was like i can't i can't tell my mom i can't tell my mom and dad that that I'd lied about that. But I knew, like, uh, of all the things that God had been putting in my heart, I always knew when he was putting his finger on something to be like, you need to be truthful about this. And so I remember just w walking around that week with a weight on my shoulders being like, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I kept on being like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't lose my mom and dad's support and uh i remember i was on my way to church i think it was the following sunday and i'd uh <laughs> every sunday I would, I would just kind of like sneak in the very very back and just like stay in the back just like on my my knees and i was on my way to church and i just picked up my uh my tithe and i pulled over because i just couldn't take the, I was very used to feeling uh, this whole new sense of freedom and I c couldn't bear this sense of weight starting to sneak back in. Mm. So I pulled over and uh, I called up my mom. And it's funny, it's, it's over a decade later and I, I still feel choked up when I talk about it because uh, I, man, I couldn't even talk. I was just crying so hard on the phone and, and she was like trying to understand what I was saying. The thing 
that I that I remember very clearly once I was able to I was able to finally stop crying and just said mom that story I lied I lied to you and I'm sorry I remember very clearly my mom saying that I have and she didn't even hesitate like that was like the crazy thing she didn't even hesitate she's like Matt I, we've never loved you more And in that moment, I uh, I realized what real what real love and what real forgiveness looks like. You know, it it costs it costs a lot, <laughs> and uh, it costs a, a lot. And it's easy to for you to kind of treat it like it's something that's cheap until until you until the ball drops, right? And I had the, a real a real aha moment <laughs> a real oh moment there where it just the the penny dropped for me and and uh something in my heart changed where i was like i'm never gonna i never want to be in this place again where i just take somebody's love and take someone's um take things for for granted and that included god's love which i've been taking so much for granted as well I'd been tre treating it like it was something that was so cheap and something that was so, you could just toss it away. But to, to realize that like I was experiencing God's love through my parents and through my mom, when they said that, I suddenly realized, wow, that's, that's the kind of love I want to show. And, uh, so yeah, it's funny, man. I get just so transported right back into that moment whenever I start talking about it. And, you know, you'd you'd asked me before this about one of the one of the things I really would want to lessons that I've learned, right? And it's the the value of really remembering our testimony and the power of our testimony because even now, even nowadays, like you know, uh, all this time later, I uh, I sometimes like God, God, where are you? Are you are you close? And I know that He is because I've got this testimony, but. When yeah. I talk about it, I'm right back there again, and I'm feeling him. I'm feeling him just like his presence is right there. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, 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 you really, you do care. <laughs> you show me that you care. You've, you've, the amount that he has um, shown how much he, uh, he wants his hand, he wants to be intimately involved in my life, um, has been so evident with, with both, you know, his hand fully just moving in it, but the people that he's put in there, right? Like, you know, for me specifically that, that moment with my parents showed me very, very intimately his, uh, it's the, it's, it's the moments that make those verses so much more <laughs> real mm. when they talk about his, his love, his forgiveness. And, um, yeah, mm. yeah. I love what you're sharing about your journey as a youth where love was something that you were trying to earn. <laughs> and here where you're at the pinnacle of your Christian game, you're, <laughs> you're uh, plugged in, you're, you're doing the, the thing, but in your heart you're completely disconnected. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to a point where everything comes crashing down, the, the sheets are ripped away, you see the, the filth and the... <laughs> or wretchedness or it is and your parents are like we're for you 
Yeah. We're going to pay off your car, uh, your, your insurance, um, claim. We're going to let, we've never been more proud of you. That's just this beautiful example of, of the heart of the father that I think that a lot of us, we still haven't fully grasped. And that's why we're going after some of the things that we are, the coping mechanisms or the striving. And I love with your story that you illustrated change is it takes some hard work. It's like ripping off the bandaid and we want, Oh God, um, pray that you would change my life. And we hope it's like this upgrade or like a download from the cloud. Um, but there's these circumstances that come and these opportunities to walk it out that really, really hurt. Yeah. And I, I had my own journey that I'll probably share about another time. But when we met again at, um, I think I was 21 and you would have been 23, 24 at that time. Around there, yeah. And we had both gone under such a a transformative journey that we could come together. We had our past behind us, uh, further in the rear view mirror at least. (laughs) Yeah. And to genuinely like celebrate each other. Yeah. I, I like who you are. Well, just, yeah, the, it's it's amazing how evident humility is when it's real. You know what I mean? Like, I remember, because we, uh, we were at a different church at that point, and I, like, worship would just be, like, such a time of just being sprawled out before God. And I remember when you first showed up, I almost had this moment of, like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, it's almost like your past. Here's my past. past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About to be reminded of, of the the person that I was. Um but you are also like you had experienced this renewal, this change that, that you had gone through, and um, I remember seeing that there was this real evidence of like, well, wait a second, no, I now suddenly recognized when I saw evidence of God, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he so, could work on Will Winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking, I was just like, no, there is, there is really that. God has been doing something here. I can see what humbling looks like. It was really cool just being able to feel very, very, uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember our, our very first time of actually like talking about it, where it's just like, no, there's something different. Yeah, there's something different. Yeah, something's really different here. <laughs> and just being like, wow, isn't that, it's not amazing what God will do hmm. in in some short time. Yeah. Well, thank you for just being so vulnerable with uh, me today and, and sharing as a way of wrapping up can you pray for our listeners just with whatever journey they're on if they're trying to make a, a small change or a drastic mm-hmm. life change if they've been hiding um, some gigantic sin or they're just trying to grow in a small area of life mm-hmm. uh, yeah whatever you would release from what god's put in your heart totally absolutely oh father god So yeah, I want to lift up to you right now. Just, I pray that your presence would just come upon anyone that is in a, in a tough place of of feeling like, um, they're, they're right now eating with the pigs and they they Mm want to, they want to come home, but they don't know if they can, Lord. I just pray for the, the strength that your presence would just come upon them right now and that they would feel this calling, this drawing, this, um, that they would feel you carrying them and lifting them up and bringing them home. And the Lord, that they would just see that they're um, 
that the body is also there to welcome them and and to edify and to to encourage them along their path as well that there is in your presence lord is fullness of joy and lord even though that path back is not necessarily an easy one sometimes it's a hard path to walk back to 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 get back to uh to the right one but lord you're there the whole way and so mm. i just uh I just thank you, Father, that your heart is is always for reconciliation. Your heart is always for bringing us home. I thank you, Lord, that uh, that there is no distance that's too far. There's there's no um, there's no one that's go, gone too deep to that you can't reach, that you can't pull them out. And uh, yeah, we just already uh, open our arms and just thank you, Lord, for the for the um, people that are being pulled right now, right back. Um, and being brought right back into your presence and back into your um, your forgiveness and your love that are feeling your presence right now. And we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Oh, man, it's been my pleasure. I think the scripture verse that really reminds me of Matt's story and what he just shared is in 1 John 4, verse 18. It says, Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I'm just reminded in Matt's story how he had to overcome that fear of punishment. He had to be brave in saying, and putting it in the open, the mistakes that he had made. And in the end, it was anticlimactic what actually happened in some ways. He thought maybe he'd go to jail or that he would be um, shunned or his parents would be disappointed. And that's not what happened at all. And through that, he really came to know that love is not something to be earned from God. It is something that is unconditionally from him. Mm-hmm. His, his mom, I love what she shared. And it just gave the chills there. His lowest low. She said, Matt, we've never loved you more. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> I hope that our listeners felt that, that uh, just prick to the heart. That, yeah. Oh man, that means so much. And Matt identified, this is an illustration of Father God's love for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what you shared about that perfect love casting out fear, I think so much of the time our brokenness is driven by that need to earn love or that fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And to reach that point and have uh, being met by love. Yeah. Yeah, you and I were just talking about Um, The difference between running away from God when we've made a mistake for fear of punishment and running to him for his aid and help when we've made a mistake. And it seems counterproductive maybe in our minds that if we run to him, we would get punished. But it says in the Bible and through God's word that um, if we run to him, we'll experience his perfect love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll be real about it. Change is hard. 
Mm-hmm. Change is scary. Change is painful. Yeah. But to have God walk with us through that process as a father, like you shared that picture, God helped me clean up my mess. And God did that with Matt. He said, hey, uh, are you a man of your word now? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Here's the next step. And for many of us, I-, I hope that this story encourages you. God is waiting there with love and acceptance through and through. And he wants to walk with you into freedom. Yeah. Um, he wants to help you clean up your mess, whatever that looks like. And he rejoices when you come to him. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you for sticking through. And we pray that you're encouraged in your own journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to find more about Lifetree Church, you can visit the website at lifetree.ca or find us on Instagram at lifetree.church. Be blessed and we'll catch you next time.